You are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Five, six, seven, eight. Holla, boys and girls, it's the BGN. Coming from the Marvel world to the DC friends. All the way from Hollywood to the PCN. She defends everyone from sleazy men. Won't apologize for spitting Shonda Rhimes. The space that we make is never colonized. We're talking games and movies and actors. Words. Better shake your booties for Black Girl Nerds. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. My name is Jamie, and this episode is hosted by both Ryan and Stacy. In our very first segment, if you are a fan of the BET series 20s, then stay tuned. We are pleased to present to you three of the stars. The characters Hattie, Marie, and Nia are on the show. Actors Janika T. Gibbs, Christina Elmore, and Gabrielle Graham talk to us about the latest season of 20s on BET. That segment is hosted by Stacy. In our second segment, we're pleased to present to you Cynthia Manick. She's the author of The Future of Black, Afrofuturism, Black Comics, and Superhero Poetry. Cynthia Manick is also the author of Blue Hallelujahs, which won the 2016 Lasco Prize in Collected Poetry and editor of Soul Sister Review, a poetry compilation in 2019. She's received fellowships from Cave Canham, Hedgebrook, and McDowell Colony. You can find more about her on our website, CynthiaManic.com, and we're excited to geek out with her over her latest book. That segment is hosted by Ryan. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Well, hello, ladies. My name is Stacy. I am with Black Girl Nerds, and I am so excited to talk with you guys about 20s, a very, very fun show. Um, my 20s was a blur, so it's very <laughs> cool <laughs> seeing the way that uh, this kind of all comes together. I wanted to start with um, the music. Uh, I've been introduced to a lot of really great artists because of this show and my playlists are filling up. But one thing that I really love is the background music and the old um, Hollywood glamour kind of music. Mm -hmm. And we have the scene where Hattie is dancing to Sinatra and, you know, just that very fantastical feel to it. Mm -hmm. Um, Was that something that was ever kind of discussed, that being kind of the soundtrack to her naivety? Um, I'm I'm sure it was discussed in the writer's room. Um, I, I would think that at first season, AZ Dungy, she was the lead writer um, and very significant in creating the um, essence. And then Justin Tipping, the, the director, I, I, I'm, I'm assuming them and Lena, they all came together and were like, this is the vibe that we want to go for. Um, so many people are involved. I hope I don't miss anybody's name and not like you know, <laughs> give anybody credit for anything. But um, but yeah, I, I would I would assume that the stylization of the show was established with them. And then I just showed up and they were like, Yes, yeah, so we need you to learn this choreography. <laughs> this is the song you're gonna do it to. And I was like, Okay. So, you know, I we're you know, for me, I'm like a tool in the box, and you know, they just 
There you go. That's not too shabby. I like that. Well, I know that 20s is loosely based on Lena's life. And so we have, you know, a queer Black woman and then her two straight friends. We have Hattie and then uh, Marie and Nia. And um, I wanted to know about, because even though we have these three Black women, there are wildly different people. And they have all these different experiences. So what was it like kind of creating the relationship dynamic and the closeness that you all portray so well on screen? It was pretty easy. Yeah. I think that we were really blessed in that we happened to really like each other as people um, outside of the show. And then once we get on set, we just have a lot of fun hanging out. And our writing, the writing is so good that it's, easy to lean into that um, and feel the chemistry. But I think it's, God just blessed us. There's not a lot of ego on our set. Nobody mm. came in as I'm a star, I'm doing this. I'm, And so the vibes are good. And I think that shows up on screen. Excellent. How about you, uh, Gabrielle? What was your experience like? Yeah, I mean, I loved it. I'm having an amazing time, especially because like, <laughs> 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 No, it's just the way you said it. I was like, are you? <laughs> yeah, I was like, but are you? Like, are we having a like, oh, I love it. I'm having an amazing time. Nobody making me here right so now. <laughs> <laughs> Things make me nervous, so you could be misreading. But I am. I'm having a great time. I feel like I, I'm being from like Canada and coming here and not knowing anybody and, um, yeah, and all of this is so new for me. And then being on set with Christina and Jojo and making, helping me feel so comfortable has been wonderful. And it helps that we're like, I feel like we're slightly similar to the characters on the show as well. So that that's also a little bonus. Well, Gabrielle, that's actually, <laughs> yes, I wanted to ask you about that specifically. I love Nia's journey with um, wellness and inner peace. Do you, is that something that, you are familiar with? Is it something that you've learned from Nia to kind of incorporate in your life or is it vice versa? What's kind of your relationship? I think I'm learning that from Nia for sure. I'm, I'm a little bit more like Nia's way more confident in herself than, than I am and, and a lot more spiritually sound. So I'm taking a lot of those things from her and meditating more and um, trying to just love out more and be more positive. Um, yeah, because naturally I'm just really like a, a nervous person. So wellness and like finding that inner peace is very important to me. So I love that I'm, I'm able to, to discover that and learn that more through Nia. Very cool. Now, Christina, we have to talk about the elephant in the room. You are famously or infamously to some known as Condola <laughs> on Insecure. Yeah. And while I was watching uh, 20s, I was like, I was always, you know, I always kind of wonder, like, are people able to kind of put those characters in the back? And I found Marie to be so different to the point where I was like, oh, yeah, that's Marie. That's Marie. You know, just no yeah. issue with that. Is that something that you ever have in the back of your mind when you're creating like these new characters? Like, I'm just going to do that. Or do you just 100% kind of commit to the new character and what happens happens? I think that I am hired for work because of who I am. And sort of, an, I think in TV, people hire you for jobs that are similar to yourself. Um, and so I think you know, there is some crossover because it's, it's my body, my vessel, my voice. 
both uh, for all the roles I play. But I do, I think that both shows are written so well and written so specifically. And Marie is a very specific kind of woman that I relate to and understand and Condola is as well. Um, and so I'm grateful that I get to sort of have so much fun playing two very different women at different places in their lives, different ages, different, and mm -hmm. it's so fun to get to operate in that range. Um, but they have a similar essence just because I'm the same actor. <laughs> um, but I think I think it's a combination of just really great specific writing and um, the fun that I have in sort of transforming. That's very great. I love that answer. Now, uh, Jojo, I want to talk about Hattie. She kind of has an, an issue with, I would call it more a naivety, but there is kind of an immaturity there. And a lot of times <laughs> that, well, you know, in a good way, you know, I, I agree. Young nerves, tell me more. <laughs> Listen, but I do believe that she is just wide-eyed. She just, you know, doesn't know how to kind of deal with these things. And a lot of times that's born out of insecurities. Where do you think that her character is mentally at the end of season one? Um, At the end of season one, I think that Hattie is a little dejected. I think that she's a little you know, finally being humbled a little bit um, because she, she, you know, the pilot episode, she's like, I'm young, I'm black, I'm gay, Hollywood should be knocking down my door. It's kind of a sense of entitlement that she leads with that she hasn't earned. But throughout season one, I think that, you know, through working on her script, you know, I don't, I, I don't think that she's necessarily ready to like have a show, have her own show, or, you know, I don't know if she's ready for that type of um, reward in that sense, but in the same regard, I think that she does try to become more um, responsible for her future um, through her friends, through Hattie, I mean, through Marie, through Nia, encouraging her, and also being like, okay, if you're going to stay on our couch, <laughs> you gotta, you know, so thankfully she has these friends for accountability because she doesn't seem to be holding herself very much accountable, but at the same time is that lovable person that people for some reason keep giving chances and couches. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's definitely a swagger about her and people with that, it's it's magnetic. There's a scene where uh, she comes in the office and I think it's like Bobby Brown or something, just dancing like crazy. And people are just like, hey, yeah, might as well right. have fun. <laughs> so I love yeah. that about her. So at the end of season one, uh, we see that Maria's kind of at a constant crossroads. You know, she's like, you know, is my husband gay? Is he bi? Is he queer? Where is he? And, you know, what's going on with this promotion that I didn't get? And we yeah. see that Hattie is having her nativity bubble kind of burst. And Nia is the one who's kind of at the top of her game. So what do we have to look forward to in season two? Yeah, I mean, with Nia, um, well, yeah, she, she begins at the top of her game. She's feeling good. She's feeling nice. She's focused. Um, she's ready to walk in her purpose. Um, and then there's these little, like, things that happen that kind of burst her bubble or kind of bring her back down to reality a little bit. Um, one big thing is her battle with social media um, and trying to figure out who she is as an artist and, like, having a social media platform and what that can look like for her while still maintaining her integrity as an artist. 
Um, and then also with men just deciding to pop back in their life, like Tristan and <laughs> with that. Um, yeah, big, I think there's a lot of big lessons in humility in this season with Nia. And how about for Marie, Christina? Well, I think you laid it out. She's at a, a real crossroads. Um, and I think what's nice is that this season sort of jumps right in from where we left off as season one. And we get to see her try to figure it all out um, and make some mistakes along the way, but hopefully learn to to stay true to herself rather than trying to do what she thinks she's supposed to do. Um, and so that's a tough journey for anyone in their 20s, but Marie especially. So it's, it's pretty good, pretty exciting. Excellent. And just real quick, Jojo, what's kind of next for Hattie? Um, Hattie's going to learn some lessons in love and professionalism and how to... Um, be focused, you know, um, how to really put your head down and, and, and go for your goals. I think that you'll see Hattie do that this season, but also through the assistance of, you know, her friends, of course, and maybe even a new love interest. So thank you. All right. Well, I am looking forward to it. Thank you, ladies, for taking this time to speak with me. And yeah, I wish you nothing but the best. <laughs> thank you, Stacey. Thank you. Welcome to the Black Girl Nurse Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan. And just imagine if you could write Superman a letter. Or do you still have like debates about, you know, certain things in Black Panther with your friends? Um, or what if Blade came to your career day? That's the one that got me. So <laughs> I am so excited. You can hear her laughing already in the background because she already knows. I'm so excited about this book coming out this month. The future, um, this anthology, The Future of Black. Uh, I am here with poet, storyteller, curator, editor, one of the editors, Cynthia Manick. How are you doing, Cynthia? I'm good. How are you? So excited to talk to you. You already know I love the laugh. Now, before but before we dive into this anthology, though, because I got to go like to some of these sections, I'm not going to spoil it for everybody because I want y'all to go and get y'all copy and check out all this art and everything is so cool by uh, these 60, like more than 60 artists, um, mm -hmm. black artists of color. So this is so cool to, to check this out. But I want to talk to you first about Storm because I heard your story uh. about Storm and I was like, <laughs> this is when, this is how I know I need to talk to uh, this so talented woman here because we have that connection with Storm. So go ahead and tell them about uh, your experience with Storm. Storm is amazing, first of all. She's gorgeous. She can move clouds with her eyes. I discovered her X-Men cartoon when I was little and I've been in love with her ever since. She's just so magnificent and, and, and smart. Smart, beautiful, got powers. What else, what else do you need? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I just I I love when you talked about that and just the fact of what it symbolizes, um, you know, for for uh, black women are seeing somebody like I was just thrown by the fact that her emotions can cause like a storm of something, you know, like wind yes, and, when you're and little, water. You think, yeah. you know, the sun is falling, you think the moon is for you, but you realize it's obviously not. It's for everyone. Then you see this woman come in, in the frame and she can do those things. She can move the clouds. She can move lightning. She can have rain in the palm of her hand. And to have that control of the elements is just amazing to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, it's so cool. So, yeah, I was like, I definitely, we did. I was like, we got to geek out about Storm off the top. Like, no doubt about that. But yeah, uh, Storm, tell you. Someone, yeah, asked, me, storm someone asked me, um, Storm or Shuri. And I was like, uh, don't. Don't do yeah, that to me. That's, that's, that's messed up. Yeah, that's messed up. That I was like, you know what? Shuri is smart, but yep, it's dependent yep. on technology. Storm is innate. It's already that's there. That's true. 
That's true. Yeah, very true. There you go. That's how you decided. Even though, even though that was still a not fair question. It really wasn't. <laughs> it really wasn't. It really wasn't. <laughs> All right. So let's get into the future of black here. Um, you, Lynn uh, Lawson, Gary Jackson, the editors of uh, the future of black here, sit down. Can you take us to the moment? What was the vision? What did you guys picture creating this anthology? Well, you know, I always think that um, we are really good at collecting moments. You know, Black folks are good at oral tradition of storytelling, proof that we've survived, that we can laugh, that we can mm -hmm. dream. So I always think of anthologies as a companion pieces, companion collections. So the idea of collecting our widest imaginations and making it someone's companion really appealed to me. And I can see this book in classrooms and universities, at comic book shops, because every poem and every image in it builds a world. And I think that we were always told that we're too much. You know, Black folks, right. you, know, you sing too loud, you drink, you, you, you dance too hard, you dream too big. Well, no, Afrofuturism isn't about that. It's being Black, living Black without limits. So I always want to think that, you know, this book, you can laugh as loud as you want. You can be a whole galaxy if you want. I want to see that in the future. I want to see that in poetry. And I want to see that in visual art. Yeah, absolutely. And just like you said, you kind of touched on a little bit already, but Afro Afrofuturism, just um, can you touch a little bit more on why that is so important? Um, you know, especially when you're talking about Black culture and Black stories. And, you know, just thinking about young people, all the people that are going to, like you said, read this book when it's in classrooms, that new, you know, Afrofuturism, what they can envision for their future, just reading something like this. You know, I think you've come a long way from 40 acres and a mule. <laughs> you've come a right, long right. way, but not far enough. Right. So when you think of your, think of the future, when you think of yourself 10 years from now, I don't want you to think of yourself doing a nine to five job. Yeah, you have to do that because, you know, you got to live your life. Right. But think of your best self. Think of your dark skin being luminous. Think of you flying planes. Think of you having an Afro with planets in it. Think of yourself, you know, as the creator of anything you want to create. I want Black folks to think of themselves on a red carpet all the time because you're dope all the time. The S is on your chest all the time. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with that. And speaking of like S on your chest, the first section I got to get to is Man of Steel. <laughs> because I was like this is just it was just fire because I'm trying to like if you guys hear me through like I'm trying to flip through my book right now because I got these pages like bookmarked but um so one was like a note past the superman and yes. she was like uh man of steel I understand the cape the leggings the whole ball of wax you can trust me there's no planet stranger than the one I'm from and I thought that mm -hmm. was so, I thought that was so, you know, just like little nuggets like that, um, the listeners are going to get. And the fact that you're bringing in Superman and you're like mixing up these stories and you're like, look, I got to tell you a few things. Like, I know you're going around saving the planet, but it's a few things mm -hmm. I need to tell you about me or about black people. And Lucille Clifton is the author of that poem. And Lucille Clifton is famous poet, a famous poet. The fact that she wrote Superman it's very unknown. It's like a B side of a camera roll that you didn't realize that was there. And so her talking to Superman saying, yeah, bro, I see you and you're gorgeous. Let, you know, let's admire the chiseled jaw. Let's admire the leggings because you were a hot piece of something, but you can't save me from society. Right. You can't. Absolutely. You can't. You were asking your chest, but you can't save me for little things that the big things for me, it was just society. You can't save me from that. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I just, it's just amazing. Yeah, go ahead. Keep going. Yeah, go ahead. There's a poem by Frank um, Walker. And one line that says, even you are not hero enough to lift half this country out from its, under its own ignorance. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's questioning. It's, it's saying, you know, we, we love you, Superman. You got your buns of steel. You're doing your thing. You're saving them all over the place. But you're not saving Black girls or girls with glasses or girls named Shaniqua. Or a girl named Charmaine, you're not doing that. Yeah, we gotta save figure, ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Because people that like, <laughs> <laughs> like Superman's girlfriend, Lois Lane, number 106. I was dying at some of this, y'all. It's so funny <laughs> because we all know, like, it's so relatable because we all know, you know, everybody's gonna know Superman. Even if you don't know all the details, you know what they're going where they're going for. And yeah, to have yeah. like all of these, like you said, noted uh poets, um, you know, people that probably wouldn't even usually enter the superhero realm talking about this in this way, like, look, there's stuff going on in our community. Can we get a superman? Can we talk to you for a minute? Yes, you know, forget Lois is gonna be fine. Lois is gonna be fine, okay. We are not gonna be fine because the world is as it is. So let's work on changing that. We can appreciate and, and, you and your powers. Yeah, we yep, got you because yep. you're gorgeous. We just saying. <laughs> we just saying. <laughs> we just exactly, saying. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like a little like, and I love it too. Like we're having, I can't wait for you guys to get this this month and pick this up. But it's like a little, it's like a little flavor to each section. Like stuff you don't think that is going to come out um, that I feel like only we can add, only our creators can add to. Um, just like the you there's a whole section of like you know you sit the guy sitting down with the homies or whatever talking about black panther you know yes. like some people thinking a whole bunch of you know white we get all dressed up and it's like a whole bunch of like, white bruh, guys bruh, i'm just saying though <laughs> bruh <laughs> i'm just saying <laughs> it's a lot of things in this book that i think people will enjoy even from uh killmonger even to draw Milaje speaking mm. Play that yeah. career day, which I thought was, I love that poem so much by Amanda Johnson. You know, and, and also questions. Well, Doctor Who was Black. You mm, know, what if Queen yeah. and Slim live at the end of the movie? What would happen? Yeah. Sometimes Luke Cage ain't happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. If you're, yeah a, if you're in a spaceship going to space, who's doing your hair? Oh, there you go. Now, see, that's <laughs> the question. Doing your right hair? There. Yeah. Who's doing your hair, girl? You're in a spaceship going to space. Who's doing your hair? <laughs> that's funny and i didn't even think about it. that's a good question uh oh and i had to i gotta mention another one too the john snow colin kaepernick uh, that was another one <laughs> yes i, I, mean, I love like, how this book also you know it delves into comic book movies comic book you know mm-hmm. even Game of thrones you have walking dead poem you have a poem to um yoda yura from star trek Shout out to her. You know, you have these poems that really make you think of the other side of things. And it makes you also think of, well, our future has always been here in some point in time. Why haven't we recognized it as so? Now, for each of these creators, um, as we're kind of mentioning them here, and I love to, and by the way, you guys will get, like, if you, when you purchase the book, there's, like, um, there's an index in the back that kind of breaks down, give you a little history of all the the poets, all the creators mm-hmm. and everything that are in here, which I think is so dope, because sometimes books don't do that. You're like, well, I want to know more about, like, who is this person? Like, you talk about planets <laughs> and the Afro, like, who are all these cool people creating this? And it's like, I want to know more about them. So I think that was dope. But uh, what, 
how did you guys get together? I guess with the creators, was this kind of like a collaborative in a sense where you're like, okay, well, okay, this is our vision that we want for each section. And it kind of sent you guys some stuff and you were like, okay, I like this story. Maybe let's mix in this hero. Or was it just all like, they just, they just, everybody just kind of got creative and you're like, okay, I'm gonna throw this in. We, we, we all sat down or well, virtually we're all doing parts of the world right, right, New right, York, yeah, yeah. and Lynn and Gary in South Carolina. So we said, well, let's put a call out people that we know who are wonderful poets and also people that we want to discover. We put a call out for Black Afrofuturism work, work on comic books, work visual art. You want to see everything you got. And we got so much submissions, like almost, I think almost 300, 400 submissions we got. And from those submissions, we then pared it down. Okay, well, what do we, what do we love? What do we come back to over and over again? And then what are our favorites? And we also have poems that, you know, that we that were very famous, like White in the Moon by Gil Scott Heron. And I was like, mm-hmm. I saw Love Club Country, and I was like, I can really get that poem. I'm not gonna be happy. Right. Yeah. But somehow they said yes. So it's like, well, how do you mix those poems that are already staples, like Nikki Giovanni's ego tripping, with new poems by Pinky in the Brain? Yeah. So we yeah. thought about it. Let's put it all out there. Let's, let's frame it up, and then we'll put it in. We'll collect it in sections. We'll think about what are how do these sections talk to each other? How does New Faith Contradicts talk to the video game section? You know, and that, and that way we sort of create a record, you know, a playlist of Afrofuturism for you to enjoy. Yeah, I love that. And, too, and it's such a cool, like, um, you know, eclectic in a sense, but it's very well arranged. Like you said, like you could tell you guys went out to certain people were like, look, this is kind of, the, you know, what we have for this section. We we'll want to accomplish here. Mm-hmm, um, and mm-hmm. kind of let everybody get super creative um I want to go more into the art a little bit too because these pictures are brilliant see this is when you need podcasts that have visuals right now because these pictures yes, are so dope um so let's brass. party in Ugh. yeah let's party in space because you know everybody is everybody now all the billionaires trying to go to space so I had to point that one on out that. that's a yeah exactly so I, can, <laughs> I can go around on now another, another podcast that's another podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll have to pay you back for that one. But yeah, I had to point that out because you know, like we got the we got the dopeness here in the book of of uh you know all of us in space. So there you go. Yes, yes. And also just photos, this was great scenes like Atomia yeah. Butler by John Jennings. Mm-hmm. You know, just like also little comic book strips as well. You know, we want you to get that flavor of being in this world. I mean, I think these images do a great job of building a world you can inhabit. Yeah, and I'm trying to look like I'm letting you go. You, I'm letting you go through so I can keep looking at these pictures. Cause look, I got to the Jill Scott free one. I ah. love this one. I love that. Black Kirby, John Jenny. I love that. This is so you guys so dope. Like if just if you just flipping through, just looking at the pictures alone, you gotta grab this. We, yeah, we wanted to have we wanted to make people visualize our futurism and also read about it. So if you can't if you can't get to the poems, you can get to the poems. You can, but if you want more than that. The visuals also serve as a companion to those poems or a companion right. to the world itself. You can get lost in images alone. Yep. I'm looking at the Octavia Butler one you're talking about. Yeah, it's just uh, it's so cool. Yes. Yeah. Isn't that just cool? Just thinking the mother of sci-fi, Octavia Butler. Yep. I mean, yep. she really, as a Black woman, she really made it acceptable for us to, to, to dream big, to do sci-fi and, you know, dream the unimaginable. And to see her in this book with my work is like, ugh, praise Jesus. Yeah, yeah, like like you will be. It's it's such a it speaks so much to to um the soul I feel of you know like black women, black culture in general, and just 
um, you know, like you said, all these powerful images, there are so many women, like if we could just give a shout out right now to how dope it is, yes, all yes. these gorgeous women on this cover. I don't want to give too much away because I want you to go out and look, but it is just, it's unbelievable with their crowns, how their hair is done. Um, it's just, it's, it's so cool in this. What are also you hoping? The power, the power of these yeah, images. Yeah. I mean, they, they're, you know, you always, you know, black folks either, they, they want to think we're either too much or we're, or we're angry or we're do more. But in this book, you know, they're all powerful. They're all powerful and they're doing their thing and they're happy about it. You know what I mean? I right. love that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Was there, I, I guess I'll ask you too, was there like a, a comic character or like a story you were like, man, we got so much, we can't keep going on that you wanted to get in there? it was getting unwieldy okay i was like we have to cut it we gotta cut it you gotta right right right, right. we gotta cut it so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna give names but i'm just saying that there were other things that i would love to have seen and maybe mm. the next one i want to see more two. wonder woman i want to see more i want to see more shuri i mean i want to see more other uh, modern characters i want to see more films about cartoons i want to see Josie the pussycats in the next one i want to see you know oh, i want to yeah, see cool. i, I want yeah. us to go back you know i want us to go back and go forward so who knows yeah. who knows yeah that's cool yeah i'm hoping yeah well i'm definitely hoping for a uh, part two because that's gonna be dope to see all that come together um but so what are you hoping like i i guess too um some of the maybe some of the gamers because i thought it was interesting you do you guys do have that whole section for gaming Mm-hmm. What um I'm curious to think like what was your I guess your vision for that or um just the impact that gaming has and then like some you know just the idea of like black people thinking black people aren't as involved in gaming they're wrong right right <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah right right that's obviously wrong I think our dream for this was to make sure this book was accessible to all all nerds <laughs> all nerds yeah, we yeah, see yeah, yeah. you we see you we see you playing video games we see you with pokemon trainer red we see you watch a pinky in the brain we see you and you belong here as well with these poets with these other images with, with man of steel with killmonger with black panther you belong with us and so it is yeah black people are playing games all the time and needs to be highlighted more so i want to do more on that in the future i think but i did want to make sure that this book Talk to those people. Show them that they're part of a community that we that we see them. Right. That community is valid. Yeah. 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 This is so. Yeah. This I'm. This is definitely for the nerd in you, for the artist in you. Um. You know, just even the Grand Afro- Theft Auto poem, and I was like, yes. oh, we gotta have that. I was like, yeah, it's so great. you guys gotta check that out. Yeah. Oh yeah, because yeah, I love yeah. the way that was broken down, and it's just like mm-hmm. just a whole new way of flipping. You know what you think you know, is your reality or you think is saving you in a sense. And, you know, you, you get, there are a lot of stories about how people are, you know, struggling like health wise. And it's just like, well, what does the superhero have over me? You know, yeah. when, when you're writing this and that's such a, it's such an interesting, um, you know, tr- trigger for lacking a better word for people, but just to kind of make you think and wake up and, and it's, it's such a new way to look at things. And if you're sitting in home at home one day and like, oh, you know, this is just not my day. You pick up one of these poems you know, something, something's different. You get lost in the images. So yeah, this is going to be so dope for people. I mean, I love poetry because it does that. It does make, it makes you think that you can empathize with anyone and you can be anyone. So Mm, I think when reading these poems and then watching the visuals, yeah, 
I want them to feel that. I want them to come out of this book like, I am my own superhero. I have an S on my chest. I'm doing my thing. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's definitely dope. So tell them, um, give us all the details you can. What's what's coming up? I know everything, like, sometimes things are pushing back because we still, like, we're still working our way through COVID and everything virtual. Girl, it's like we're turtles. We're almost, you pick your head out and then you pick your head back in. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Future of Black is coming out November second from Blair Publishing. Pre-orders are open now. We'll be doing a book launch in Durham, North Carolina, and other things virtually throughout the year. And we can't wait to see you. Make sure to buy the book. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But see, we're not done yet because I'm about to, Cynthia. I got some more <laughs> questions I need to ask you. So I just I wanted to make sure we get the plugs in because y'all need to go check out this book the future of black go check it out but i want to talk to you some more stuff tell me about um the sister soul uh review why did you want to do that like i thought that was so cool why are you going to the archives what are you doing you're going to the archives of my, of my life look look i had to pull it up i gotta know i was like look unless you, you know you could be working on part two so if we got to keep it covered it i understand but you know i had to no, go back no. i had to go back with so, it so sister review is my reading series i created in 2014 because I was tired of seeing people on stage who didn't look like me. You know, the stage was full of people either who have an MFA, or they're really famous, or, you know, there are people with their friends. There was never like an equal playing field. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it myself. I was going to, I'm going to do it myself. Yeah. And so yeah. I created in 2014. We're going on year nine now. Um, it's four times a year. And it's basically about poems that tell stories or tradition of storytelling. And I like to have people who are famous and not so famous. So all on the same playing field, established writers and unestablished writers. I want you to all to be on the same stage and talking poetry and telling stories. Um, the next show will actually be on December 3rd. And Tina Chang, who's poet laureate of Brooklyn, just confirmed that she'll be in it. So it'll be a good time. Yeah, that sounds that sounds really dope. But yeah, I love anytime it's like, you know, black getting black women a stage, a platform to kind of just use their voice. And speaking of platform too, I got I'm going back to another one. So hopefully I ain't going back to back in the past here. Mm-hmm. But you're on the board of the International Women's Writers Guild. I'm so curious about what that experience has been like for you. And what have you what have you noticed as far as like that growth that still needs to happen, change that needs to happen as far as like women, you know, whether it's getting their their credit or whether it's um, just getting mm-hmm. opportunities to share their work? I, well, I think a couple of things need to happen. I think women need to be more forthright about sharing the work with the world. I mean, ambition is not a bad thing. I think right. women are taught that it is. So when they get rejected from a literary magazine, they don't apply again. Send another one in a week or so. I mean, don't give up. Don't think one no is no forever. Right. That's one thing. Uh, recognizing your own worth. You know, a lot of people say, you know, poetry is for the art. It is for the art, but the art does not pay your bills. <laughs> okay. Yeah, true. Okay. You, there you, you can, go. You can yeah. be artist living on a McDonald's menu and no, sh- and no shame to McDonald's. I love French fries. I'm just saying, so if you're going to do a reading and you want to ask for payment, you should do so. Uh, yeah. Number three, embrace the online platform. I think well, the old generation has not embraced online literary work, online literary magazines, and online reading series. You know, get out of your comfort zone and embrace that part of the world. It's not going anywhere. It's not going anywhere. Yeah. It's going to be around for a long time. So get comfortable in that virtual space. And lastly, you know, just because it's true doesn't mean it's poetry. me. My students hate me and love me because I'm just like, you know what? This is a great poem. It's like, no, it's not a great poem. 
And I'm gonna tell you why it's not a great poem. <laughs> My students think I'm so annoying, but they love me too. I mean, so when you when you're doing your own work, even with fiction or uh, poetry, you know, don't be afraid to go off script. You don't have to use the one one side of the page. Use the whole thing if you want. There's right. no rules when it comes to creating your own 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 work. So so be bold. Get out of the get out of the comfort zone. Conquer the page because no one's going to do it like you can do it. Yeah, I like that. You know, be bold like these future black artists yeah, and everything. Be bold, be bold out own, there. Own the page. Own it. Own it and do your thing. Look, There's I love you. you. Yeah, look, exactly. There's only one you, Cynthia, and I appreciate you being bold and getting out there doing it. Look, I know your students be learning. You know, they, they'll, they'll, they'll get past it. They'll get they past love it. Being I know they love me. Like, <laughs> I'm like, no, I, that's not I a good poem. I'm like, no, that's not good. But I love you. You're loving and amazing. But no, do it over. See, look, but see, you put the love you and amazing at the end, though. So we're good. That's fine. That's all you got to do at the end. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> This has been so much fun talking with you. And we got to have you back when we do the space episode. I'm just saying, we got to have a space episode to have you back. <laughs> I'm there. I'm there. I got a whole lot of things to talk about that space episode. I got a whole lot of things in my bucket. Yes, yes. <laughs> Thank you so much, Cynthia. I appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good day. All right, you too. The Black Girl Nerds podcast is produced by Jamie Broadnax. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find various episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Audioboom, Google Play Music, and Spotify.